Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the latest edition of First Down Snapcast and tonight we have a special episode. It is the 20th anniversary of Berlin Thunder winning the World Bowl 9 and tonight we are joined by members of the previous team. Currently we have Coach Pete Bass joining us, Jay Haygood and Dwayne Jones. How is everyone doing? Doing yeah, great. Good, good. Doing great, Richard. We also have regular host from the show, Charles, joining us. He's been fighting the war of COVID in the UK, helping getting people tested. So he's been able to join tonight's show in between helping everyone get tested. Hey, how you doing? You all right? Feels like a long time. <laughs> it does. So we're here tonight on a special show. I've uh, been able to get you guys together because it is 20 years to the day since Berlin Thunder won the World Bowl, exactly on the 30th of June 2001 in Amsterdam. And it's Great just to get you guys on and discuss how it went. Obviously, I spoke to Jay last week just to discuss his career. It was just an idea we ran with. And to be able to get it to happen and tonight of all days is probably a bit more special. So, obviously, into this, Pete, Coach, Pete, Coach Vares, we'll call it. It was your second season in Berlin, which was obviously Berlin's third year. But in that first season for you in 2000, Obviously, 
the inaugural season for Berlin, it was a three and seven season. Then you came in for 2000. When you arrived, what was sort of mentioned to you in the project regarding Berlin? I'm, I'm sorry, what was what? So when you arrived in 2000 for Berlin's second season, what was sort of the project given to you of how Berlin was going to grow into the league? You know, it was very interesting because even though we started in the beginning of 2000, it was halfway through the draft. I was sitting in the draft room with the Barcelona to start the season and the opening in Berlin occurred. Um, People talked to me and I ended up getting down to Orlando for the second half of the draft. And so it was a, that first year was a real whirlwind where we tried to put things together. There were, Berlin itself was in growing stages where we actually stayed in two hotels during the course of the year. There were a lot of things that were different uh, that year, but we kind of stabilized in year two in the sense that, and I'm going back now, what is it that took place between year one and year two? So, so Something happened where, and when I say that, a lot of coaches left. Um, and, and it may have been the original XFL, to be perfectly honest with you. I think it was around 2001, the first XFL yeah, came, that, didn't that, it? That's what I thought. So there were a lot of coaching changes across the board in the league. And but in addition to that, I was able to put together some close friends as coaches on our staff, which helped tremendously. Not that the first year was bad. It's just that the second year was a little bit more cohesive from that standpoint. A lot of the things Michael Lang was able to accomplish in year two led to a lot of stability off the field uh, as opposed to what it was like in that first year. And then we, we, we got we got lucky. You know, I, I teasingly told Jay that I invited Bick and Bick stayed away because Jay was going to be on it. But to be <laughs> honest with you, Bick was, had been in Frankfurt the year before or two years before that was well aware of Jay and said, we have to have this guy. <laughs> questioned the hell out of him and said, why? And he said, because we act- we absolutely do. He said, there's nobody, nobody in the league that'll hold better than him and not get caught. <laughs> <laughs> and, as, and as a result, we were able to put together a variety of things in that fashion. Some players that other coaches knew uh, to create some chemistry the stabilize some practice situations, some hotel situations. And it, it, it was just a very, very good year. And we, and we got lucky with some very, very good football players too. Was the, obviously Berlin became the third German team into the league. So was the, obviously the market was growing in Germany. Was the pressure to succeed behind Frankfurt and Rhein fire? I don't know if there was, the word is pressure. I think the expectations that there would be some success. I think years before when the NFL first had some of their international games, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first international games was held in Olympic Stadium in Berlin, much prior to NFL Europe and whatnot. Uh, So I think the expectations that we would draw a crowd, that things would grow, uh, were there. Obviously, in the first couple of years, we didn't play in Berlin. Olympic Stadium, we played in Yon Stadium, and that was a little bit removed from the mainstream, and so it was a growing process and a a project, but heck, you you, you play the cards you dealt with, and you know, the the guys did an absolutely fabulous job, Um, but but go go ahead, we'll fill in stories as we go. (laughs) 
can, I, can I can I take you back a little bit because there's obviously there's obviously some history to the European setup for the American football, uh, but obviously we're talking about it when it's been developed and it's gone a certain way and there's a few more German teams coming into it. But Pete, if I can just ask you, at some stage you're quite happily going along with your your American football in America. How did you end up? crossing the pond or the channel <laughs> and, and, and suddenly going to something that's that's that I guess is fairly alien to you. Well, well I, I, I will be perfectly honest with you. And when I say honest with you, I'll be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> it, it, it all starts with being fired. Uh, and and what, ha- what happened was I was the head coach at Holy Cross. My alma mater was relieved of my responsibilities after four years, went to, become the offensive coordinator of the Montreal Alouettes in Canada. Those teams were individually owned. The owner of Montreal became a little bit frustrated with losing money, generally not a good proposition to lose money. So he shut the team down. Uh, so now I'm coming off a year of or four years and then being fired at Holy Cross, a year of the paycheck stopping in Montreal. So I returned to the States and just scratching my head saying, all right, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And Jack Bicknell called and offered me a job in Barcelona, Spain. Now, this is probably in June of 97. In fact, it was June of 97. And and my first response to Jack was, Jack, I just came back from Montreal, Canada. I can't go to Barcelona, Spain. I've got to find a regular job. Well, I went through that summer and that fall, the fall of 97, and looked into a variety of things outside of football. And I'll never forget sitting in a recruiting office and going for an interview. And the gentleman and I sat down after a little bit and talked. And I just got through observing people. And he started to tell me about how hard people worked and all that. And I'm coming off of whatever it was at that time, 20 years of coaching. And I said, well, wait a minute. This is to myself. I'm saying, this guy doesn't understand hard work. So I said, this life's not for me. I'm, and basically, a long story short, I accepted the position in Barcelona, Spain in December, uh, went on to in, of 97. My first year was uh, the fall of, or the spring of 98. Uh, had a fabulous experience. Went back in 99. Loved it. Had a job offering, ironically, after that year in 99. And because of my ego, and I will definitively admit that in front of Jay and Juan right now, But because of my ego, I decided to stay in NFL Europe because I felt it was a faster way for me to become a head coach again. And I'd been a head coach on two previous uh, times, one successful, one not successful. And I had to prove to myself which one of those was the real me. And so I wanted to be a head coach again. And the opportunity looked like it would pan out quicker in NFL Europe and fortunately, the 2000 season started, and I was a head coach again, and loved every minute of it. So that, how, that's, what, that's what got me. Go ahead. But how, how, sorry, sorry. How much did you know about Spain before you rocked up in Barcelona? Next to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, next next to nothing. I was aware of it from a distance. Uh, and and then one of our first experiences back in '98 is we land in Barcelona. We, we spent, I, I think, a night or two in the hotel, and then we took off for, Pompe- what is it, Pompeii, where they, the running of the Bulls takes place, to have oh, a Pamploma. scrimmage. Pamploma. Pamploma. 
Yes, we, we took off there, which was a six or seven hour bus ride to get there to scrimmage the final scrimmage against Scotland. Again, it was a promotion someplace there. And then uh, I believe it's on our way back. The bus had to stop. And needless to say, the people on the, the bus were virtually speaking all English. We had like one guy who could speak Spanish. And you found out the bus driver couldn't drive any more than four hours. So we had to stop and rest an hour. And it was like three in the morning. Needless to say, Jack wasn't the happiest camper in the world at that point in time. But that was my first experience. And let's put it this way. If you remember Sitges, Spain at all, and the hotel that we stayed in, life was not bad. So it, it, it was a good thing. It was a little bit different than a lot of places, but it was good. And Jack was a great guy to work for and got to meet a lot of fabulous people and players, et cetera, et cetera. And then the opportunity in Berlin presented itself, which the historical significance of the city of Berlin is just absolutely fabulous. Loved it. Uh, loved the idea of being involved with the international training camps and tryouts and all those things that took place over the years. They, they, it was just fabulous. I've just got to ask you one question before we get totally off the subject. Did you get chased by any bulls in Pamplona? <laughs> no, no. We did go to where they have it, but I did not get chased by any, no. Okay. It was a bit different to the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, big difference. <laughs> big, big difference. <laughs> and, and the interesting part about Spain, though, because later on in years, I had a chance to spend a couple of weeks in Seville with an international camp. And in Seville, bullfighting is astronomical. I mean, it's big time. Whereas in Barcelona, the bullfighting is frowned upon. So it was yeah. interesting to see the two different aspects of the culture of the Spanish people or the Catalonians, et cetera, versus the Spanish or, you know, all those type of things. They're very similar to America where it's North and South or Republican and Democrat in today's world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so obviously you mentioned that, Pete. So in your second season there, you've got a, an ally in Jay moving from Frankfurt. Now, when you were at Frankfurt, I know we touched on this last week, and you said that when the call opportunity came to go to Berlin, it was like you snapped your hands off just because you enjoyed the culture so much. It was a no-brainer to make the move across from Frankfurt to Berlin. And did you feel when you got there to Berlin, there was a project starting? We're silent. Was that for me or for Jay? For Jay. That's what I oh, thought. No. Jay, well, no, see, no, he's, no, he's married no, now, so no. he's involved in a lot of other things, and sometimes you got to snap him to attention. <laughs> yeah, so, so obviously, yeah, Jay, we're at Frankfurt. Obviously, there was obviously opportunities. Looking, obviously, we were talking last week about moving back over to America, done some finger in New Orleans and stuff. But when the call came for Berlin, was it a no-brainer to be like, yeah, I enjoy it here, and it's there's a decent thing going on in Berlin. Yeah, well, the thing was, I think you know, with uh, with Vic, uh, Big Nail, me and him were so close as I respected him as a coach and as a person. So, you know, in the second year in Frankfurt, I really wasn't happy with, you know, the head coaching staff, well, the head coach there. And they were, you know, because Coach Curl had actually got a job in the uh, NFL. So, you know, Coach Curl leaving and, you know, and Big, he had already left, the, you know, year prior. So when I got the call to go to Berlin, to me, it was one of the best, you know, phone calls I could have got, you know, during my career in NFL Europe because I got to rejoin with uh, Bob Bicknell. So, um, it, it, it was a, it was a, it was a good thing for me. So, 
Yeah, it's def- definitely a good opportunity. Dwayne, and obviously you'd had a bit of time with Cleveland and Seattle. So when the call came to you about going over to Europe, what was your initial thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I had kind of known that um, I was coming the whole time. I didn't know what team I was going to go to. Um, you know, obviously it was, it was Berlin, but I was I was actually pretty excited um, to get the opportunity to play NFL Europe. First, you had to you had to make the team, which is was which was kind of challenging too. And then uh, on top of that, you know, you just meet new people, new folks. I kind of remember when Jay first came in, um, he was all quiet and stretched, so he wasn't saying much. But it took him no time at all to warm up and uh, kind of like be that juice on on the offense. But um, I just remember just I knew ahead of time I was coming. Um, that was really not a big um, shocker. But just actually seeing the whole process and, you know, making the team, practicing with the team, so forth, and trying to find your role, that was kind of a opening experience. But that was kind of like my expectations going in. Can I can I just can I just ask either Jay or Dwayne or both because I don't don't either have to get off the hook on this. How much of a culture shock was it coming to Germany? I don't mean just because Germany. I mean just because it's totally different to America. How how hard did you find it to adjust? Hey hey Jay, did you uh, remember when we first arrived? Uh, remember when we first got there? It was snowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man. I was like, all right. So, but uh. It was it was a shock for me because it was kind of hard to find like good food there initially that you kind of <laughs> like you had to eat all those uh, we lived all those uh, donuts was that what they called Jay those donuts that we had man? yeah we had the donuts so, yeah. <laughs> so now nah, I, I think I lost weight over there but now nah, it was kind of a shock though if we didn't have each other I think it, it would have been a real a tougher experience than it was you got to be careful I, I, crit- criticizing the Germans for the food <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, you know, it, going to Berlin actually was a culture shock because Frankfurt was kind of Americanized. So it was because you had all the military bases around. So they had like a lot of American restaurants and, you know, things that we would see in America. So it felt like, you know, a piece of home. So but when I got to Berlin, Berlin is Germany. <laughs> like that is like when you think about Germany, you think about Berlin. And it, it really was getting to Berlin was was a big culture shock. And like Dewan said, if we all didn't have one another, I think you know it because it the food was a lot different than Frankfurt. Trust me. <laughs> so, uh, so I said, great to have Jonathan's now joined us. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, thank you. What's up, everybody? Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Little computer issues. <laughs> Texans, have you? Jonathan, how you doing? Good, how about you? Great. All right. Probably maybe in that as well to you, Jonathan, about when you moved over to Berlin, after obviously it being around the Eagles, Browns, Packs and Raiders, the move to Germany, was it expected? You knew it was coming or was it total like left side for you? Yeah, I mean, it was... Huh. It was different, you know, because it was like, man, we're going to Germany. And it was once we got over there, it was really cool because, I mean, you know, I knew a few of the guys. I knew, uh, you know, the Virginia Tech crew. So I knew Jay and I knew uh, TJ. (laughs) And then uh, Dwayne Stukes went to school with me. I knew Coach Voss because he recruited me back in um, at a high school like when he was at Notre Dame. So, um it was definitely a, a great experience, you know, not having to, you know, going to a foreign country and at least 
knowing some of the people. And then, I mean, everybody we met over there, everybody on our team, I mean, I think we were real tight knit unit and just getting to know everybody. I mean, it was, that was a great experience. I mean, I only thing to compare to that was college. Yeah, I think you mentioned on there, quite a lot of the team in Berlin, you all went to Virginia, you all knew each other, or either through college or being at Virginia Tech. So did that help, did that help Pete in the getting the group together and getting a really strong bond that so many of the guys knew each other? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, I didn't go to Virginia Tech. We, I mean, we butted heads for <laughs> me and Jay and TJ playing against each other for four years straight. I mean, <laughs> we would hang out in the summertime, but then, you know, on the football field. <laughs> so that was a nice experience, you know, finally getting to, to be on the same team after all those years. Yeah. Definitely. We got some... <laughs> Yeah, we, can't can't leave the one, I, we can't leave the one out because the one played at the University of Richmond. So, you know, he, he was close <laughs> by, <Yeah>. too. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. No doubt, no Mark, doubt. Mark, uh, who was that? Was Mark, at, was he at Richmond, too? Uh, yeah, Mark Megna? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Mark went to Richmond, yeah. yeah. How, how aware were any of you of the situation in Europe with the, with the league? Because obviously... I think the London Monarchs had, had, had finished by then, but the um, it had been going for quite a long time. The uh, how how aware of you were, were, were about the origins of the European League? Hmm. I think I mean, we, we, go we ahead, John. Knew about, I was just going to say I kind of knew about it, but I didn't know what to expect. You know, I knew some of the history of it, but you know, I just that was about the extent of it. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think, and I can remember, like, even when I was with the Jets, like, you know, when you're a rookie and then, you you know, your second year, my second year in the league, you know, you sat around the guys that were backups, you know, you kind of wait and see, if, man, are they going to send me to Europe, this and that. So you kind of <laughs> do your, you know, you kind of do your research and you, you kind of word, you're like, man, are they going to send me to Europe this year? <laughs> so, but, I, yeah, but I think, like, uh, after my, I think the first time that I actually watched NFL Europe, would have been 97 after my – I think Ryan Fire ended up winning the uh, – because a good friend of mine, Dwayne Ashley, who played with John at UVA, uh, played for Ryan Fire, and he had told me he was going over there. So – and I actually watched it, and I seen how exciting it was. I was like, well, man, it couldn't be that bad over there. So, Yeah, it's it was definitely building building and building. Obviously, the Europe, Germans were the forefront with the teams after the Monarchs went, and they sort of run the league a bit with Germany and Spain. Um Coach, going into that third season, so Colin mentioned there, so many of the team had either gone to college together or played locally and close together. Did that help build the squad morale back? The other guys knew each other and it made it easier to work it out. It, it, it helps break the ice in a lot of cases. And, and, and I'm going to jump ahead now to towards the end of the season. I know you're talking about the beginning and Jonathan had mentioned it where I knew Jonathan from a previous experience and, and known of him and followed his career a little bit. Bobby Bick knew, knew Jay. Obviously, we got to know Dwan as time went on. But it was very interesting. At the end of the year, we've got to beat Amsterdam back-to-back. We've got to beat, beat him in game nine in Berlin, and we've got to beat him in game ten in Amsterdam in order to go to the, wor- to go to the World Bowl. And at that point in time, I'm probably getting wrapped a little tight. Who knows? Uh, but we go out to practice, 
and I don't know what the exact number was. Say the, say the roster size was 45. Well, we've got 40 guys on the practice squad, on the practice field. Can't find five guys. So I said, the heck with it. We're going to start anyway. So we start practice. I got some guy running out of the, 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 the train. And I think he's one of the guys on this panel right here tonight. So I'm not going to mention any names. <laughs> but I send his ass to the locker room. Get the hell out of here. We don't need you anyway. Another guy comes out of the woods. Get the hell out of here. We don't. So we send the five guys in. And probably what made our season was I'm all pissed off and whatever. The three or four guys that are in the locker room pitching. And the word gets back to me, hey, shut up. He's right. <laughs> and it, it took a tremendous amount of leadership from that. But, you know, the, the guys talk about difference in situations, the, be it the food, the, the, the idea that they had to hang together, the camaraderie. Well, one of the unique situations that I found, especially in year one, and it become a little bit adjusted to it in year two, but how often do you play a game win or lose it, go to a teammate's home, and I'm using the word home loosely, that happens to be a bar, and he serves alcohol all night long. And you're hanging out there as a coach, as parents, as players, and you kind of quietly leave as a coach saying, I don't want to know the rest of this. And it, it, it was a very unique situation because our after-game meal was always held at Axel Cruiser's establishment. It's called where the food was there. And so they're bitching about Axel's food, but they didn't bitch about the beer or the Jack Daniels or any of the other stuff that they drank. You don't notice, not notice not a one of them saying a word. <laughs> got any kind of deniability there. <laughs> Wouldn't have happened in after a game at NFL in the States, would you? Yeah, no, it doesn't. But that, that's exactly because the, the, be, the best part about coaching in NFL Europe is the idea that you could probably use a few cuss words during practice, but then you had to go through the dinner line and talk to that young man at the same point in time, and you, and you had to reestablish a relationship. You did an awful lot of coaching in arenas, if you will, or in situations, whether it's waiting for a bus, waiting for a train, you know, in the uh, breakfast line, whatever it might be, where you had a chance to meet with guys in a very casual atmosphere. And that helped, I believe, to create some chemistry. In Berlin, I think you guys helped me. Where did we meet then? We met back at the hotel, didn't we? We, we met at the hotel is where our meeting rooms were. And then we, then we would go to practice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And, and, and those meeting rooms were large closets. <laughs> you know, they weren't, they weren't big, you know, lounge chairs or anything like that. But it was, uh, it, it was still exceptionally positive. I mean, I can't tell you enough about it. And I, I know all of us, wherever we are, we live in a negative world that on our day-to-day -day basis, everything, oh, this could be better. That could be better. The food stinks. This is miserable. But yet when we look back on certain experiences, there are, you always look back and remember it with a very positive <laughs> heart. And certainly the times in NFL Europe and in Berlin were absolutely special. And I don't want to discount Jonathan here, but I'll let a little cat out of the bag that both Dwan and Jay ended up coaching with us in Cologne. Uh, both of them spent time in prison. Jay coached our tight ends and Dwan coached our wide receivers. Dwan still refuses to release insight on Shirley against press coverage. <laughs> 
I, I, I said that and to this day, I, I still say I have a tough time getting people to do this, but damn it, you're going to do it. <laughs> no doubt. You mentioned there, coach, that you had to win them last two games. You started the season off losing to Barcelona at home, but that was your only defeat at home because you made home a bit of a fortress after that game. And did you see your home games as the key to getting you through that season? You know, everybody always said, win everyone at home and steal one on the road and you win six. And if you win six, you got a chance to be in it. But I've got, I've got to tell you a, a, a great story. Um, the a very, very good friend of mine to this day was our defensive coordinator, David Duggan. Bob, Bobby Bicknell joined us in our first year, but David joined us in year two. And I, I think, and, and when you say we lost at home, did we lose at home or did we lose to Barcelona on the road to begin with? You lost at home to Barcelona in game one. Barcelona. In, week, in week one. And then we must have played Barcelona in week like in like week three again. Or maybe we played them in week at no, Barcelona. Uh, week six, they, I think. I think you went they to blew us out. I think they blew us out like 55, like 35 or whatever it was. Oh, like, hell, uh, it wasn't 35. It was like 55 to two. They blew us out. That's the bottom <laughs> was in Barcelona because the reason I'm telling the story is David Duggan and I, and this is when the visiting team stayed away from Sitges a little bit and away from downtown Barcelona. But after we get beat like that, David was down on the, really down on the dumps and, you know, gives up 55 points. And I think we started off where Barcelona had never played cover two. So I start off with calling a hitch. It gets picked off for six points first or second play of the game. Uh, and, and, and we improved with some conversations with Jonathan Quinn after that. He made some suggestions that were very positive. But anyway, like, like Dwan said, we got blown out. So da David and I had a, uh, had a very good heart-to-heart -heart as we walked the street that night from whatever time the game ended till about 3 and 4 in the morning. And one of the things that I always found, no matter what country you went to, people always understood Jack and Coke. I mean, you, you, you know, vodka could be vodka or vodka or vodka or whatever it was, but Jack and Coke was Jack and Coke. So if you ordered a drink, and you could say it in English and you could get the thing you were expecting. Well, David and I, I think, drank the, the, the town we were in dry of Jack and Coke so I could convince him, hey, David, it's one game, forget it. We'll come back and we'll win another one. But, but I do know we lost to Barcelona twice during the season before we played him in the World Bowl. Yeah, obviously... Them two defeats, obviously another defeat to Scotland and Ryan in the pr process, but they were narrow defeats. One of them even went to overtime, I think, against Ryan Fire. And it was just the Barcelona games, which were very, <laughs> what sort of one, especially the one in Spain, was very one-sided. Once you made won them two games against Amsterdam to get the place at World Bowl 9, as a team, and the morale, as a team, ran Barcelona close at home, but then got, as you say, very one-sided defeated in Barcelona. What was the optimism thinking? Yeah, third time to charm for us this time. Well, I'm going to be honest. That Those last two games, well, those last three games, the two against Amsterdam, and actually, and even the World Bowl, they became, you know what I'm saying, the Dewan the Jones show and the Jonathan <laughs> Harris show. So just don't, don't, you know, these guys are very humble, but you know, if it hadn't been, especially against Amsterdam uh, in uh, Berlin and in, um, uh, in, in in Amsterdam, you know, he called, you know, game-winning touchdowns. You know, he he had a lot of great plays. And then, you know, guys, you know, 
I always watched the World Bowl and I watched Jonathan, you know, blocking that pass because really they they were on the verge of scoring. Um, but I think for us going into that game, I think our because we had beat we had beat Scotland and then uh, Amsterdam came into town and we you know the Scotland game was a very tough game and we ended up we had lost to them early in the season when they came <clears> in <throat> and we beat them like a drum. As we went into, I felt like as we went into the Amsterdam game, that's when we got our swag and our cockiness and we felt like we could be anybody. So by the time we got to play Barcelona, I just felt like the only person they had was Lawrence Phillips. And so we stopped him, we win. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, well you, you say that about Jonathan and Duane. We've seen this, we've seen Duane's celebrations when he gets touched down. So definitely the character was there and the swag <laughs> in them games. Hey, Jay, speaking of that Scotland game, uh, it remember it was, uh, it like, I think um, I was standing up next to Coach Voss at halftime. It was pouring down rain at home. It was, like, the worst monsoon I ever seen in my life. Like, And so I think I'm, like, up here, I'm, like, man, he can't possibly be calling those pass plays, man. But um, but I think the big thing is, is that uh, I think that, Jay, I thought you played a good game, man. You kept telling me, hey, I can't hold these guys forever. So everybody scored a touchdown. So it was a good time. Yeah, definitely a team effort. Um, on about like the home comforts, and because you've beaten Amsterdam at home in that final regular season game, mm. and you played with confidence in front of a decent-sized crowd there of like thirteen thousand, one of the biggest of the season, apart from playing Ryan Fire when they got like thirty thousand, I believe. Going into the Amsterdam Arena with thirty-two thousand fans, obviously, it's still way less than it is in America. But for European standards at the time. That was a really big attendance. So how did that feel from the crowd you'd been playing, like the 8,000s and the 10s? Did it not bother you because you're used, you're used to it in the States or because the fans are different in Europe, there was different pressure with a smaller crowd? I guess for me it was different because, I mean, like when you watch soccer on TV and then you're, you know, you're out there and, like, to me that's what that the crowd – kind of simulated was like a soccer game. So it was just, it was different. You know, even though it wasn't as many people, it was still loud, you know, especially the games where we played Frankfurt and Rhine, where there was like, yeah, like 35,000 maybe, you know, was, but even in Berlin where it was only like 10,000, it was just different because it was, it was loud. You know, I mean, those soccer stadiums are where they're built. I guess they're built to hold in, sound so even though it was only 10,000 people it sounded like it was a lot more yeah definitely definitely loud and I think it's sometimes lost in the balls in America is something obviously the modern day stadiums down in America holding the sound in from somewhat I visited and obviously but the soccer grounds over here keep the noise in um in the final in the preparation going up to it, you said obviously yeah, that you were confident with two games against Amsterdam, that you were going in with the swag and you had every faith that you were going to do it. Fell behind early, but then it somewhat sort of just changed in the team's approach. And then from then there was no looking back. Do you know what that was, Jay? Um, <clears throat> I, I just think that because we over time we grew as a team because we, you know, it's crazy because like the linemen hung out with each other. So we kind of, you know, understood the battles that we were about to go into and things like that. And then over time, like the receivers gravitated toward the linemen, all of us being together. So toward the end of the season, it got to the point to where even when we went out, and you know, to have a good time or to have dinner or just to see the city, we would all get together. We'd be like, we're going to meet downstairs at six o'clock. 
if you're late, then you're just going to be left. And then, you know, we share cabs and stuff. So I think us after practice and after meetings and, you know, after, you know, us eating dinner together, we really didn't have anybody that really butted heads on our team toward the end of the season whatsoever. Everybody was on the same page. And I think um, what helped us really grow was us being friends more than teammates. Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's a very strong friendship from the bond. You could just see it in the footage. I, I rewatched the um, final the other day just to reminisce and see, look into it. And you could just see from every yard you gained or every yard you stopped, there was just like, you're all looking at each other going, this is it, we keep doing it, keep doing it. And it was highlighted then with Dwayne's touchdown because I think that celebration run back to the um, benches, Dwayne, I like, I need to save some more of this game or we're like, I'm just going for it. <laughs> You know what I'll say this? Hey, Coach Voss, I'll say this with Coach Voss. Like, the, the reason why I think we kind of play loose and free is because he kept it like a loose and kind of like a, a free environment. So, like, you can kind of – it gave you freedom as a player to play your hearts out. To kind of do, and he didn't really put many, many restrictions on you unless you had an inside release on a Shirley. But besides that, you know what I'm saying, it was, it was okay. But he was really let you – it was the first time I've been a part of – I can't speak to um, – my other two teammates, but it was the first time I've ever been part of a coach, a coach who actually lets you, you know, play free and loose. So I think that led to our team. It kind of yeah. matriculated to the team, and we kind of looked like a really loose team at the end of the day. We were playing with house of money by the time we got to the World Bowl. Yeah, I, I think you're right, one because I think, like, you know, we can make suggestions, and, you know, and, and Coach Vaz and all the coaching staff, they were so – it was like they were so straightforward with it. They'd be like – that's not going to effing work. That's not going to work. <laughs> so I don't know why you made a suggestion. <laughs> so, and, but it was, you know, it was okay because at least I was able to say, hey, coach, this might work. And then they'll think about it and they'll, oh, this may work. Why well, I shouldn't even listen to you. It, you know, at least we got it back straight. So, but, you know, the coaches, the coaches have, I know for the offensive side, and Jonathan can speak for the defensive side, we were able to kind of figure everything out and they let us play and, you know, and not be on us about just like, it was it was never nonsense getting fussed that we always got you know reprimanded because it was something serious so offensively so Jonathan what about defense yeah I was gonna say the other thing I think we were I think we were fresh at the end of the season I think coach boss made sure because I mean I remember the practices I mean we got our work in but he didn't kill us all year long you know we you know we got our banging in but you know it wasn't that bad you know, so I remember a defensive line, Coach Lee Johnson, he used to run us after practice because it was only six of us. So he's like, y'all going to have to be in shape, so we're going to run. But other than that, <laughs> you know, we were pretty fresh after the season. I was actually glad with that because when we got to training camp, I was all right, I was good to go. <laughs> but, you know, I think that gave us, for, for us on the D-line, I think, you know, the games, it was easy. You know, and, you know, we weren't killing each other in practice. So I think we still had a lot left in the tank, whereas Barcelona probably didn't. Yeah. Uh, going from what the players have said, Coach Vass, did you have that same belief in that final that the momentum was going to was continuing from the previous weeks and the freedom? It, I, I would agree with it. And obviously I see it from a different perspective than what they do. And I'm going to tell it from a different perspective. But when training camp started, we had a quarterback by the name of Jonathan Quinn. Now, let's not kid anybody. It's not about coaching. It's about players. I mean, when you have the players that we have sitting here tonight and you have it, you add to it a guy like Jonathan Quinn, 
who was a probably one of the top five players in NFL Europe's history. But anyway, and I always tell this story when training camp started in, uh, where the heck were we at that point in time? We, by then we were in uh, Boca Ciega High School in Tampa, Florida, or in St. Pete. Jonathan would throw a ball and he'd go like this. Is that what you wanted? Is that what you wanted? Is that what you wanted? It was like he had a hitch and he was looking for approval all the time. And I said to him, I said, Jonathan, did you complete it? He said, yeah. I said, well, good job. Good job. So I, I got him to the point or he got to the point where he could relax and play. And so now I'll take you to the final game. I'll take you to the, not the touch that, not, not the game winning drive because the game winning drive probably is the one that Jonathan stops with a knockdown of a pass on fourth down, but the, uh, where we score to go ahead and it's third down and two. And I'll just use this on the minus 52 yard line. So we're on the minus 48. So we've got 52 yards to go for a touchdown. We've got two yards to go for a first down. Now, Jonathan Quinn is 6'6", whatever he was, 245 pounds, ran a 4'6", big, strong kid. So I call a naked play. Now, in my life, I've never seen the naked thrown to the receiver streaking down the sideline. You throw it out to the flat. You throw it to the crossing route. You run the ball. You do something that makes some kind of sense. So here we are, third down and two, critical moment in the game. I think there's probably about under five minutes to go. Jonathan rolls out, and sure enough, he lofts this ball down the sideline. Dwan Jones creates offensive pass interference, shoves the defensive back out of the way, goes up and catches the ball in about the three, tiptoes like a ballerina into the <laughs> and all of a sudden we're ahead because we throw a 52-yard touchdown pass uh, on a third and two situation. And my point to the story is from that guy who went, is that what you wanted? Is that what you wanted? throws the ball down the sideline and just got to the point where the whole objective is to make a play. And he felt like, and as Jay and as Dwan and as Jonathan have said, they felt like they could relax and make plays. And that's what the game is all about. Can you be relaxed enough to make a play when it has to be made? And they did that in that particular moment in time. And that, that, will, that, that whole story I've told a thousand times, is that what you wanted? Is that what you wanted? 52-yard touchdown pass. No, it was it's an amazing. It was pass. offensive pass interference. You you just said you watched the game last week. <laughs> that was offensive pass interference, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I, I think it get very. It get called nowadays. Anyway, I don't think that would be allowed to happen. <laughs> um. So obviously that set you up before Jonathan obviously stopped down the game, and the result was history: twenty four seventeen win, and Berlin's first championship in their third actual season playing. How did that feel, for, obviously, from a, the player's point for you guys and obviously them coach passage from being the coach there? So just be intrigued to see the different, how it felt from like your side, Jay, Jonathan, Duran, and then obviously Pete, your version as a coach to get that first championship in Europe. Well, you know, the craziest thing, it was like fourth, and I guess they had to score, if I'm not mistaken, and and I, you know, and it was crazy because they was marching down the field and it was like, man, you know, we, you know, I would love to give Coach Foss and them, you know, me personally thinking, I would love to give them their first championship because Berlin just had started. So, you know, that was a, an amazing feat by turning that whole program around. Because I know in Frankfurt the year before, my first year in NFL Europe in 99, 
with Berlin, it was like, you know, you know, everybody, you know, the guys that had been there before, they was like, oh, Berlin is just, you know, it's like a home college homecoming game. We'll beat them. So from that point, it was, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, you know, kind of make history and, you know, for Coach Vaz and, uh, and the coaching staff because it was – they had put so much into us. And then, you know, it being fourth down and that ball being passed. And only thing – I just remember a, a long 6'9 arm being swung in the air in slow motion, <laughs> blocking the pass. And it went – you know, we all just went – you know, after that – I mean, we ran on the field. I, I'm surprised we didn't get a penalty. But but I, I just think, you know, that – to me, those last two plays of that World Bowl of the one, you know, with Jonathan throwing that pass because I, I can remember it being the naked and I'm going down and I was like, I ain't blocking nobody. So I just got to make sure you don't get hit from behind. And next thing I know, I just see him set up and throw and I look down the field and I, and I see the one. I said, oh, this is a touchdown. I said, you know, this is a touchdown. So, you know, that's how much confidence I had in those two. So, but yeah, it was it was a good feeling once that happened because that last snap and we got to take a knee and finish. We, I felt like we accomplished what, what, you know, we had set out to do within that year. Yeah, definitely. Is that what you say as well, Dwayne? Uh, I'd agree. I think the, the lasting memory is that we won a, a championship with my brothers. And it's like after everything we went through and, you know, if it wasn't for Jay Hager, to me, I don't think I would have been, like, confident enough to make a play like that because I was going through a little – homesickness mid-season, you know what I'm saying? Coach Vaz, I'm behind, and you know what I'm saying? I'm homesick, you know, I was a little, I was a little soft that season a little bit, but, you know, I think it's like my, with Jay and, you know, all the other guys, like, you pull along, you know, what happened. I think the World Bowl to me just means to this day, just I won with my brothers. And when that fourth and two play, when Barcelona was driving, you know, and I was like, man, come on, this can't be. And then, like, Jay said, man, you know, my man Jonathan put his, that long arm on the wall on him. That was, I was like, I can't believe we just won this thing. It was like a surreal feeling, you know. And I think we all ran on the field. And I think Dex, Magna, everybody was going crazy. Um, again, it's the best, one of the best memories I think we'll all have for life. Yeah, from your point, Jonathan, that play, what do you remember of it? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I remember that last series. It was like, because – I mean, let's face it. I mean, the offense kind of carried us the whole season. We struggled defensively. And then, you know, we're going on the field and we're thinking, oh, we got to make this stop. And they're driving and they're about to score again. And we're, we, I think we just all just said, we were just like, not again, not again. You know, I knew, you know, Blaine Bishop's a little guy and he's a fast guy. So I'm thinking he's going to run. So I'm just like, I'm just trying to mirror him and get in his passing lane. And when I saw that pass, I just knocked that down. And I mean, it was like, for me personally, I mean, that's the first championship other than Little League, you know, that I've ever won. So, I mean, you know, going into that week, I mean, I think for me, that's what was so important. And I was just like, you know, we can't leave here losing, you know. And I mean, I'm going to tell you a funny story. I actually thought Barcelona was going to be the worst team in the league that year because I don't know if you remember <laughs> – in training camp in Tampa, I mean, we crushed them. I think they were like the first team we, we scrimmaged. And I mean, you know, I yeah. thought they were terrible. And I mean, they wound up being one of the better teams in the league. So, I, you know, I guess I was wrong on that one. <laughs> now, we all see the Super Bowl parties over here once you win it. But you're in Europe. Me and Charles, obviously, we live in the UK, but we know what Europe's like for partying. So what was the World Bowl party like? I already picked Coach Vass has already said what it's like after a regular season game. So how did that World Bowl go down in Amsterdam? 
First of all, we're in Amsterdam. <laughs> Let's start that conversation by saying we're in Amsterdam, first of all. So, you know, that's every American's dream to visit Amsterdam, just to, you know, because it's different. It's, you know, they, you know, they're free, free, like they're free. And, you know, a- a- after the game and, you know, it-, it was crazy because it was, you would have thought we won the national, you know, championship for soccer over there or something because it was, we, you know, as as a team, we still went out together. That's the thing that I loved about it because I think about that. And I even told my wife, uh, Stacy, about how, you know, after that game, we did the same thing we had been doing, you know, you know, from the middle part of the year to the end. All right, guys, we're going to leave at about, you know what I'm saying, 11 o'clock. So, you know, we're going to meet downstairs because we shared, you know, we wanted to be with one another. So really the biggest thing was like partying amongst one another. And it was sad at the same time because, now we're leaving to go to our respective teams. So now, you know, we're still friends, but somewhere down the line, we may see each other again, but we'll be playing on opposite sides of the, you know, opposite sides of the field. So, but I just think, you know, the biggest memory is us, you know, that last time getting together and going out together. And then there's some things that we, as players, we have to keep to ourselves. (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) but, but, you know, to answer your question, I can guarantee you it was probably better than any Super Bowl party they've ever had in America. So, yeah, obviously, Coach Vass, these guys party couldn't obviously left after that 2001 season. You obviously then went on and did back to back with Berlin with different guys. Um, I bet you didn't have any characters like those these three though, especially Jay. <laughs> You know, I, can't, I, can't, I can't imagine you can replace you. There's, there's, <laughs> there's always a character. There's always a story. And, you, you know, I, I'm going back to your question about the celebration part. It was one of the one of the rare times when I surprised probably taught me a lot about myself, too, and the reason that I'm in coaching. That, yes, we, we, we had it a little different. We had a post-game meal back at the hotel. Michael Lang did a great job of having a celebration there. And you naturally think, okay, there's going to be champagne, there's going to be beer, there's going to be Jack Daniels and all that. And I can remember sitting over in the corner of the room, just drinking a bottle of water and just looking at everybody being exceptionally happy. And and I had a smile on my face or in my stomach or in my heart and the idea that this is what it's all about. You know, guys that have worked their tail off to accomplish a goal and they did it. And it, it just brought so much pride and warmth and joy to see other people celebrating that it's, it, it's a feeling you can never, ever forget. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting sentimental here in my old age, but it's like uh, the reason you coach, it's the reason you're involved with other people to see them have success. And to listen to these stories tonight is just fabulous because it obviously was an experience that they haven't forgotten. And I'm not going to tell you, they think of it every day, but at key times in their lives, they think of it and, there are certain parts of it that are just absolutely special. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make one quote of a song that's probably very, very strange, whether they remember it or not, but I feel sorry for anybody who is not me tonight. And uh, played that song for them the night before the game. And the, uh, because that's the attitude we wanted to go into the game for. A bunch of teams that already gone home to America. Don't get nervous. Just feel sorry for those people that aren't here. And they went out and they played with an awful lot of heart and emotion and compassion and togetherness and it was just fabulous. Can you can you guys believe it's 20 years today 
since that game. It's just flown. Has it flown? All you got to do is look at Dwan's beard and you can. <laughs> I'm trying to grow it. Okay. Right. It used to be black. <laughs> you should have shaved. Um, have you guys been back to Berlin since? Obviously, I know Coach Vash, you stayed after that season 20 years ago. Have Jay, Jonathan, have any of you gone back to visit Berlin since? I haven't. No, I haven't. I know um, I'm friends through uh, Facebook friends with Michael Lang. And I mean, every year he always talks about, you know, having us back. Like he just uh, reached out to me like two weeks ago. So, you know, I, I still keep in contact with him on Facebook and he's always been talking about it. So I would definitely love to, but. The European League's been sort of restarted last weekend and Berlin obviously represented again in a new kind of format. It's not going to end up with a World Bowl, but they're still repping their Berlin and hopefully it'll be reach a success you guys did 20 years ago. But definitely being a high... That's how I catch. Regardless of where the game of football is played, whether it be in Japan, Mexico, um, Europe, England, Scotland... Canada, it doesn't make any difference. The more teams they can have, the more leagues that can have success, the better off this world will be because it's just such a fabulous, fabulous game and everything that it teaches us, everything, the camaraderie, the work together, you know, striving for a goal, the discipline, all those things are just so, so important. So the more of it we can have, the better off the world will be. I was just going to uh, say something about the general state of the um American football because we I, I remember going to see the London Monarchs back in the day and I'd kind of drifted away from it by the time uh, the London Monarchs gave up and I'm not going to be negative but I'm going to make a negative point in the fact that we look back at this and kind of think it was always doomed to failure but the massive positive that I take from it is that literally as the World Bowl or the European League folded we in the UK started getting proper um NFL games over here. And if there's anything that comes out of the, the, the European League, to me, which is a massive positive, is the games we now have, which I think if it wasn't for the World Bowl and the European League, we wouldn't, we wouldn't possibly have got. You, you, you're probably very, very accurate with that. And from everything that I read, the speculation is that's going to do nothing but grow. More games in England. They're talking about finding a venue in Germany. Uh, games in Mexico all those types of things for the American game of football, to sp- not the American game, for the game of American football to spread is just an absolutely fabulous thing. And, and w- one of the things that's going to be very interesting in the future is we're, we're talking to players here, but the game produced a ton of people that have gone on to be very successful uh, in areas other than player or coaches video people, trainers, Dwan's now in the front office. Not, not, not that that came from NFL Europe, but probably one of the biggest sacrifices that have been made, the training ground for officials. The NFL is still trying to find ways to train and better officials. Heck, heck I am, I'm not an NFL official, but I am an official now. And, and that whole thing is how you go about that and how much work it takes to be good at it is an amazing thing. And it's sad part that NFL Europe folded without that being considered. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was a shame. I said the NFL's grown, the European League's back, and hopefully it'll be as successful as it was when you guys were there. If 
just before we come to the end tonight, if you could all take one memory back from your time in Berlin, what would it be? And did it chip, did it help mould how you've become now as a player person? The one memory I'll take back, um, I'm not it's, not, it's really a non, it's a non, um, it's not, has nothing to do on the field. It has everything to do with week four and I'm in my room and, uh, and I'm still, I'm a homesick and a guy stops in my hotel room door and tells me to get up out of my feelings and come out and party with us and hang out. That guy's Jay Hager. And it taught me and the lesson I carry to this day is sometimes you need to get out of your own feelings sometimes a lot of things and look at it from more perspective, you know, and it's, it's bigger than what you're feeling right now. And it's about other people. That's the biggest thing that I really took away from that. Because if you just keep focusing on your like narrow vision, man, the world's not a beautiful place. But if you kind of look at the big picture wise, like, man, you know what? I ain't that bad. Let me hang out with my guy Jay or my guys who are hanging out. It was the best thing that ever happened to me in my, in my life to say that. And, you know, and to the point of lasting memories, Jay came to my wedding and all that stuff. So, you know, I appreciate that, Jay. But anyway, but uh, that's my biggest memory I take away from uh, NFL Europe. Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what I started off with, that camaraderie. You know, it's like the only thing that ever compared was was college. You know, I mean, we would, you know, we get up, we practice early in the morning, you know, we go get a nap, and then we'd be hanging out outside in the hallways, you know, and then we'd shower up, and then we'd go, you know, hit the town up of Berlin, sorry, but the city of Berlin. So, I mean, that was like a, a ritual, so... You know, it was it was hard to say you were homesick because I mean we were having so much fun. I think by the end of it, it's like you hated to leave more than, than anything. I feel I feel like Berlin must have had a, a run, must have run out of Jack Daniels in two thousand and one though. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Fast, any lasting memories? I, I expressed it to you the the, the one yes. where I sit in the corner after after the championship game and, and just admiring people enjoying themselves because of a goal that it's attained taught me a lot about myself that that year taught me a lot about coaching uh, hopefully some very positive things that I tried to carry with me as years went on uh, and needless to say just very very fond memories of people and experience a fabulous city a great organization I mean just by organization I mean the NFL Europe thing itself um, just, just I, 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 I swell with pride, and I, I know I've been involved with football for a lot of time, long years, but NFL Europe has stood me in great stead no matter what's happened or where I've been because of my experiences and the people there. Would you go back and do it again? Yes. <laughs> what about the others? I've, I've, I've often said, you've asked the question about going back to – no, I've never been back to Berlin, uh, you know, uh, once we left. But I've often said that at some point in time, I'm going to coach in Europe again. Now, those days are running out, but I, 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 so, but that's why I answer your question so quickly. Yes, I would do it again. It was, yeah. it was fabulous. My children enjoyed it, grew up in, in how, you know, not that they were there the whole time, but while they were there, the experiences they've had, you know, the, just the, the, the historical significance of London, the, uh, the castle in Scotland, you know, the, concentration camp outside of Berlin, all of those things were just fabulous off the football field. And again, the players and the, those experiences were tremendous. What about, what about the rest of you? Would you uh, go back and do it again? 
in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I especially with and if I could go back with you know these guys like the guys from Berlin. That that was uh, it, it, it's hard to explain, and then having that same coaching staff, and like and like you said earlier about you know what's the one thing that I would take from it? I think me being a coach and training now and stuff like that on uh, you know high school level and stuff. I think because I used to listen to the coaches say, "Make a play, make a play, just make a play," and then I catch myself doing that now because it's like all you have to do is make a play, just make a play. You ain't, you ain't got to check with me to make sure it's okay. And I think that that's one of the things that I, to this day, you know, for me, I take away from that, you know, during that time because they allowed us to make plays. Of course, we've got an NFL game in Germany now. So, really, none of you got any excuse. You got to go. <laughs> don't, let, don't let my wife hear that, boy. She, she'll book a ticket today. <laughs> well. I've got to say, it's been an absolute pleasure to reminisce of 20 years today, guys, of the greatest achievement in Berlin Funder and your guys being able to deliver that for the city of Berlin. And couldn't have asked for a better way, I think, to remember an anniversary like today. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for doing this. It was a great great seeing everybody, too. (laughs) All right, Jonathan, yeah. No, Every, everybody you. stay healthy and thank you. Thank no, you. Thank, thank you, Coach Bass. Thank you, Jonathan, Lorraine, and Jay. I'm sure we'll talk again and yes, reminisce yes, again. We'll see, we're, we're going to see you all in Germany. There the you NFL go. game. We, we need to make plans for it. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Get it right. sorted. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Enjoy Get, the get those three to do the coin toss. <laughs> the, the, the game the game might not start if we change that's probably true <laughs> thank you very much guys thank you guys Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.